Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic, with all the changes to schooling and daily life, is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path. We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age. So parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Welcome back to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. Now, I was introduced to my guest today, Travis, through a mutual friend, Joy Anderson, who was also a previous guest on this podcast. And she said, you know what? You've really got to meet this guy. He's doing some incredible work with teens and entrepreneurship. So naturally, I was pretty curious. So I did a little bit more digging and turns out he's a pretty super creative guy. He's done some interesting product design work. He's got right now a toothbrush that he successfully launched on Kickstarter that cleans itself, which sounds pretty cool. But even more than that, he's really super passionate about investing in young people in the future generation. And some of the ways that he's doing that is through the Startup Academy, something he founded, a nonprofit, and it helps teens start their own businesses. Now, he's been doing that for about four years now, and he's worked with over 100 young people, mentoring them as they walk through a process that he calls the creator's path. Now, that's enough for Travis. He's got to do more than that. So he's also working in an acting academy school, which is a cutting edge K-12 school that Jeff Sandefer, who was in our third episode, launched. There's now acting academies all over the world. Acton Academy blends a one-room schoolhouse, the Socratic method, and 21st century technology to equip each student to change the world. And so we get a chance to learn a bit more about that. Now, today we'll explore really what a learner-driven education looks like, what this Startup Academy is all about, and so much more. So Travis, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Hey, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got a really interesting background, but first, how are things for you right now? Hey, things are really exciting. I'm happy that you mentioned the toothbrush. Uh, things are going well there. We launched it amidst the craziness of a pandemic. And we've recently just launched product number two. And so design work is going well. We're having fun and trying to pass that along to some of the kids I'm mentoring. That's so cool. What's the second product? I missed that one. Yeah. So the second product is it's actually a hand roller. So it's a massage tool that can help prevent carpal tunnel. I've actually got one right here, <laughs> but this tool can be heated or cooled and it's a desk massage tool to help relieve pain in your hands and forearms from, you know, typing at your desk all day. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few of us out there who could use that for <laughs> sure. Several years ago, I had some issues with that. I ended up buying like one of these super funky ergonomic keyboards and yeah, you know, it's like, it was like night and day. So that's super cool. How did you, I mean, have you always been a creator? How did you get into like designing stuff like a toothbrush that can clean itself. It's actually really interesting. I came across a methodology a few years ago that is quite similar to a lot of processes that you may be familiar with, but it just involves researching different marketplaces, identifying trends, and then using those trends to craft your ideation process. And so 
for things like the toothbrush, you know, we identified that travel and hygiene and compartments and folding were all things that were really trendy in the market. And so we took things that people were already interested in, we combined them into a new product idea. So essentially, we just repackage what people are already interested in and reintroduce it to them. And so that to me is just so much fun, right? Of yeah. practicing that creative process and, and observing what's happening out there and, and recreating it. Yeah, that is super cool. And I was just thinking, yeah, I could use one of those if and when I get back to traveling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there'll be a time at some point. It's definitely filling the itch. But have you always been involved in creative pursuits? Tell me a little bit more about your background. Yeah, so my background, uh, growing up, I always have been interested in creation and it's always changed forms a little bit. I think for the majority of my life, I've actually been more curious and more passionate about creating experiences for other people. Uh, so starting at a fairly young age, but mainly in college is when I started really discovering this about myself. That I love to gather people and I love to create experiences and hopefully experiences that could help people be inspired or change their lives for the better. Really cool. That's a great segue to maybe talk a little bit about the startup school, but there's something that I found on your LinkedIn profile that seemed really powerful and perhaps an important statement about where your passion and focus is these days. So I decided I'd read that out and I'd love to hear more about that from you. So you wrote, you know, it's our responsibility to bring up the rising generation to have good character and properly instruct them in diverse career paths. And if we fail in the education and upbringing of youth, we have failed the future of humanity. That's some pretty deep thought there. I'd love for you to expand on that. Yeah, absolutely. Right along with that, I was actually just reading an article just yesterday that talks about the estimated number of jobs that will be automated by 2030 is anywhere between 20 and 40 million jobs that will be taken over by robots and by computers. And so I think to myself of what my experience was like going through a traditional education process, where essentially that process is be quiet, sit down and do what you're told. And our economy in our modern world no longer needs people who just sit down and do what they're told. But rather our modern economy in the world today needs people who are creatives and innovators and willing to go out there and create their own spot in the world and create things that will benefit humanity. And beyond that, I believe that creation is something that sets the soul free. It helps you live a fulfilling life. And so I think in a lot of ways, whether we're talking about traditional education or, or even some of the ways that we bring up young people is actually damaging to their futures, their progressions, their mental capacity, which obviously hurts them and does not prepare them well for the world that they're living in. Yeah, yeah, we certainly aren't going through a massive time of change, not just because of the pandemic, but as you said, yeah, our world is changing and the model that our kids are going through when it comes to learning education is not, not aligned. That's a pretty obvious one. So tell me more about you know, what got you interested. You've seen this as an issue. What got you interested in deciding to do something about that? Yeah, it's actually a really fascinating story. I had a best friend in elementary school. And when we were fifth graders, we were really young. But when he moved away, he got involved with a wrong crowd. And I remember meeting back up with him when we were both 24. I'm 29 now, but when we were both 24, and he had been in and out of juvenile correction centers and in and out of prisons for the previous 10 years of his life, so from 14 to 24. And I remember being there with him and 
wondering like what can be done to help kids who are 14 and 15 and 16 who because of a lack of purpose or a lack of drive and perhaps just a curiosity for what's out there they get involved with things that aren't beneficial for them and that can totally sidetrack the progress of their life yeah and so i started wondering what can be done to help these young people find purpose and find drive and as i pondered that and as i worked with young people it became pretty evident to me that through the process of creation, whether that's creating services or products or movements or information products, that those types of creations bring purpose and value and confidence to a young person to where they don't have, they don't have time to get involved with things that are going to take them off that path. Wow. And so that for me was really where that all got started is observing the dangerous paths that are presented to young people. And I don't think there's enough positive and exciting paths for them presented that feel fun and exciting and engaging. And so I wanted definitely to get involved and provide something like that for them. Now, when in those, I guess those light bulb moments, right, where you saw that connection, which is really powerful and I can very much align with that in my own passion, being an entrepreneur myself and working with some younger kids, particularly my son, Graham, on the entrepreneurship side and just seeing what that, does for him, right? Is that, was that what, what kind of birthed the startup school or were there, were there things before that? Yeah, that for me was the main, the driving force behind getting that started uh, was how can we provide young people with an opportunity to create and find this passion within them and that passion would carry them on to success. Cool. Tell us a little bit more then about the startup school and lessons learned, how it all works. Yeah, so the Startup Academy, it was started in 2017 and it was amazing. We hit the ground running and there was a huge demand for it. We've seen a lot of different iterations with the Startup Academy. We originally started going into charter and private schools where I would teach elective courses to the kids there. Oh yeah. And that was fun and it was amazing. And we helped the kids start businesses there within the school. So they would go into their lunchroom cafeteria but then there, you'd have a kids who were selling their own version of So Delicious, right? That they would call like Pop and Dots, you know? And, <laughs> so fun. Yeah. And so we just got in there and helped kids start their first business, whether it was just small within their school or after school. And over time, it became clear that we could have more of an impact if we moved online and if we got involved outside of schools as well. There's just so much red tape that happens inside of the school system. And so... We've been moving to a more online model. And what we do is we help kids walk what I call the creator's path. So the creator's path is a cyclical process that helps individuals first check in to see where they're at and understand more clearly what they want to accomplish. For some kids, this is learn how to code their own video game. And for others, it's as small or as simple as do a lemonade stand so that I can buy a new bike right? It varies very much. And we've seen things that vary from greeting cards that people are drawing all the way up to something like this, the hand roller that was actually started by a young entrepreneur that was a member of the Startup Academy. Oh, really? So you did that Kickstarter with a member, like one of the student members? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. That's a perfect example of when there are teens who are part of the program and it just fills their soul with energy, a lot of times they're ready to take it to the next level. So rather than do things at a farmer's market or some of the other smaller projects like greeting cards, they're ready to jump in and get involved with something a little bit bigger, which was the case with Derek. 
with the hand roller. And so we help kids, regardless of the size of their goal, we help them check in to see what they want. We help them gather resources, knowledge, information, build out their team. And then we help them eliminate what I call darkness. And so I think so often, whether it's insecurities we have or fears that keep us from taking the leap into entrepreneurship, we help young people identify what those are and how to overcome those. And then we begin to create and test, create and test. So we're verifying that what we're trying to offer is what the public actually wants. And then from there, it's time to delegate responsibility, hopefully free up some of your time and expand. So we help young people walk through that process and identify passion and launch their own business. I'd love to break that down a little bit more, partly because I'm just really curious, right? And some kind of look at some of my own experiences working with Graham and, and others. I mean, Graham's 14 now. So in step one, we talked like identifying there. I find for a lot of teenagers, they're not really sure what they want to do, or it's a kind of lacking clarity, right? Like to get something a little more concrete. How do you go about helping them to find that clarity? Yeah, that is a process for sure. Something that I found fuels young people the very most, and this really isn't too different from adults, but the main driver behind what teens want to do is something that sounds fun, right? Where that's, it's mainly true for adults too, but sometimes we're also able to see like, how does this fit into my broader perspective or my broader life goal? And it gives us some additional motivation. But for teens, typically it is what's going to be fun. And so there's two main processes or methods that you can use to help young people get inspired. And that's through gamification or through challenges especially with boys, right? With boys, it's a lot up here of, am I going to win something? Am I going to accomplish something big? And if it's not a competition, you're so right. Or if it's not fun. You're so right on that. <laughs> they're going to be a little less interested. Yeah. Well, yeah, a great example. So my son, who's Graham, who, he's in a school called Galileo, which is kind of like a student-led self-directed education model. And I love sharing the story of he joined this running club, right? He's not a runner at all, really. I mean, he did a 5K <laughs> in the... In the summer, which was kind of a new thing, kind of went up for it. But it was in November. We're in Canada. It's cold. There's lots of snow. November is probably my least favorite month because it's kind of wet and <laughs> cool and just not pleasant. And he's like, yeah, dad, I'm signed for this running club. And I'm like, running. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Like you're running in Canada. And I'm thinking, <laughs> how did they pull this off? And there's like a leaderboard and there's other kids doing it, right? So yeah, there's all this competition and just kind of gamification in a way that just got him to do something that I never would have imagined him to do. So yeah, I totally get what you're saying there. So, okay. So you're using some of this gamification and whatnot, creating some challenges as a way to get them to move forward on that. Yeah, absolutely. And so we'll implement challenges. One of the challenges, just a couple examples of what we'll do, because as you mentioned, we're working with homeschool co-op groups, or in some instances, parents with just their children. And so what we'll do is we'll hop on, regardless of what step they are at in the process, whether they're checking in, identifying what they want to do, or maybe they're creating and testing, we will continue to push out different challenges for them to compete in. One of those challenges is actually one of my favorites, is we give, we suggest they start with a rock. Some groups will use a paperclip, but we use a rock because it's even more, just there's no price you can put to a rock, right? It's essentially worthless. And the challenge is you have 24 hours, go play the game bigger or better and come back and we'll see how much you've brought in. And the person that can bring back the biggest object 
wins unless somebody makes a sale and then whoever brings in the most cash wins. <laughs> and I've got to tell you, our best experience was a 17-year-old girl. She came back with... She had traded and traded. She jumped on Craigslist and she traded for a motorcycle trailer. Wow. Which she then later posted on KSL again for trade. And she traded for a $10,000 cement pad in her parents' backyard. Really? So she went from a rock to a $10,000 value. That's awesome. And there's countless stories that we could share, but it's challenges like that where because she was motivated to win, it sparked something in her brain to realize that she was 24 hours away from $10,000. And that is so powerful and it's so beautiful. And so we will push teens and invite them to do things like that quite frequently to help them wake up to this idea that they're powerful and they're capable. Awesome, cool. So yeah, let's just walk through the process a little bit more. So they got through the identification and then what was the next part in the process? Yeah, the next part was resource acquisition. And so a lot of this has to do with gathering your team, if you need a team, and then acquiring knowledge. A big part, especially about being a teen entrepreneur, but you can relate even to being an adult, is when you're looking at starting a business, there's, I don't know, three to four dozen things that we're not quite sure how to do. And especially to a young person that can feel really overwhelming. And so we try to break down what are the lessons that we need to learn and how can we go step by step and feeling more capable with tackling those challenges. Cool. Yeah. Kind of making it feel a little less overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So as you're kind of curious too, as you're going through this, are you using some kind of like business plan or business model or how are all the pieces starting to assemble together into a plan? Yeah, absolutely. A few years ago, I'm spacing on the group name right now, so forgive me, but a group developed what's called the Business Model Canvas. Oh, yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, we use a variation of the Business Model Canvas. And so they'll start to craft uh, ideas of what their businesses are, uh, but we do them all just on post-it notes. And so as soon as something changes or there's a pivot in their brain, it's an easy, quick update. So at this point in the process, nothing is cemented. We're just, we're getting our brain on the page. Gotcha. Okay, so so I've got an idea of what we want to do and some of the resources and things we're going to need to do it. And then was the next part was dealing with the darkness. Was that it? Yeah, eliminating darkness. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, which in large part exactly is is just a mindset shift. And so this is so so vitally important. I'll share an experience that I had with the toothbrush before I jump into an example with young people and the developed the toothbrush product, like you mentioned, that cleans itself. And over time, it became very clear that the partnership that I was in was not functioning. And I was pulling a little bit more weight in the company, which made him feel a little bit embarrassed and a little bit ashamed. And it made me feel annoyed and frustrated, right? Right. And so as long as we maintained our partnership in that situation, it was just self-detrimental. And there was no progress because we were essentially fighting each other rather than building. And so as soon as that situation got remedied and we were able to move forward, so I actually just recently bought him out of that company. And that was the way that we were able to remedy that situation. As soon as we were able to remedy that situation, it was clear that the darkness that had been holding me back for so much time, I was able to be free of and see things clearly and be motivated again to make progress. And... So what we do with our young people is we'll teach them skills like crucial conversations. 
And so if they're in a partnership or if they need to clear things up with people, they now have the frameworks and the language to be able to do that. Another thing that we do with them, and and this is especially important with young people, because they're just learning the idea that their actions have natural consequences. And so we'll talk a lot about different paths lead to different places. And if you're on a path of laziness and self-gratification and selfishness, that's not going to lead you to a successful business. And so, so frequently, young people will be on a path and in their mind, they're going to the correct place, but the stepping stones are leading to the wrong place. Mm. And so we paint very clear pictures for them of what path are you on now? And is that truly leading you to where you want to go? And we'll do check-ins very frequently that help them to hopefully see clearly to eliminate the darkness and to, and to see things through a more truthful eye. Yeah. Wow. That's just amazing. I mean, to, to learn all of those sorts of things when you're just a teen, you know, I can think of so many people. Yeah. I mean, I'm 49 now and so, so many of my generation don't have those things. That's just amazing. They're hard skills. Yeah. Yeah. You're, and you're right. They are skills too. Like the crucial conversations in particular, that's actually one that I'd like to work with grandma on as well as we work stuff together. I see that's a skill that really help him. And so, so, yeah, so conversations, having awareness, self-awareness and understanding where you are on the path. Yeah. That's Fantastic. Yeah. And if I could add one quick story, it's really interesting. I actually learned from the Acton Academy model that young people as young as 11 and 12 were very capable of having those crucial conversations. We help them in that school setting. We help them with that framework as well. And it's really interesting to hear a 12-year-old say to another, hey, Jerry, when you make dinosaur noises, it makes me feel really frustrated. Next time, will you please not make dinosaur noises? And when you hear that in the next room, something happens and you feel like anything is possible. It's a really special thing to hear a 12-year-old express themselves that way. Yeah. Wow. That's so freeing and liberating, (laughs) right? Just to have that power and the freedom to do that. Amazing. Hopefully they survive in the rest of the world that doesn't have those. But (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's really what you need. Like you said, I mean, this is all about raising the next generation to create the, the world we want to live in. So, yeah. All right. So we've gone through the darkness and now we're testing, we're iterating. Yeah. And so the last, I guess we're in the second class step now that is creating and testing. And so this process is so, so very important in that typically as entrepreneurs, when we create something, there's so much of our heart invested into that creation that it's actually very tempting to kind of hide it for a while. And because we don't want people to criticize it, it kind of hurts, right? It kind of feels like they're criticizing us. And especially, I don't even know if I would say for a young person, I actually think it's quite the same for a young person and an adult, that there's so much of ourselves invested in it that it damages us when people critique it. And so the key to this step is how do we help young people have the growth mindset to identify that I actually want I want critiques and I want feedback because that's going to improve my offering. And so that's the whole point of this step is how do we create something, get feedback, improve it, get more feedback and improve it once again. So that way we're presenting something to the market that truly is desired and that people are ready to spend money on. Yeah. How do you help foster some of that, right? It's kind of that shift from personal attachment to my idea to just being willing to see what the market has to say about it, not freak out. Yeah. Two things are one, we're just very intentional with our language and we very openly celebrate failure. And I guess in a way, you could say that we celebrate effort. And whether that results in failure or success, 
is a little bit irrelevant, right? We're just excited that you're attempting and that you're putting forth the effort. And so we're very intentional about using that style of language. And as individuals go out and do those challenges that I mentioned, we're very intentional about giving them opportunities to fail and even embarrass themselves. And then we'll celebrate it every step of the way. Awesome. Okay. And then let's wrap up with the last step. So the last step is, I call it trim and expand, but really it's how can I delegate responsibilities to other individuals? How can I trim my own responsibilities to free up my time to build for the future? If you've read the e-myth, he words it in a way where he says, work on your business, not in your business. So it's so important that we help young people not just be the one at the lemonade stand all day, but that they employ their nine-year-old sister to work at the lemonade stand while they open another one on the next street corner, right? And they're able to think through, how can I build this thing to expand it? And how can I remove myself from the day-to-day? And it's fascinating. Just this past summer, there were two boys, I think they were both 13, and they started up a landscaping company in their neighborhood. And just after one summer, they started this process as well. They hired a neighbor boy to be their mower. And then they just dedicated themselves to basically sales and getting more clientele. Brilliant. So it's really beautiful to see young people start to implement that. Yeah. So this is a topic that I'd love to pick your brain on a little bit because I'm actually dealing with this right now. I'm not sure I'm necessarily doing it the way I want to be doing it. So Graham last October decided to start a podcast editing business. Super cool. Like just doing the, the audio. Yeah. Part, right. And he'd been editing my podcast for about a year. So he'd done it for a while. He's feeling pretty proficient with it. And so after a little while, he managed to get one client who a publisher has a bunch of his own podcast clients. And so he's doing that for a while. And, but the amount of time it was taking to get these things edited was going up and up. The demands or the additional requirements and the quality of the podcast was going up. And I kept inviting him to track his time to see really what is he making, like almost on like an hourly basis. And just on my own rule of thumb, I'd say he's probably was about minimum wage. Like it was a lot of time yeah. for what he was charging. And so you know, I've been talking to him about shifting the model a little bit and expanding the offer so it's less time intensive. And so there's even like some room in there to hire someone to do the editing. And we recently had an experience where a friend of mine is now a client and doing a much more of a done for you model where it is kind of feel like that. But one of the things that I'm finding challenging with this is, is I feel like I'm the one kind of leading the way a little bit. And I'm curious how to help them kind of figure that out more themselves than an experienced entrepreneur like myself as a parent. These kind of like, okay, we can do this, we can do that and kind of be more of the guy. Or is that okay? Is it, is it okay to kind of demonstrate and then learn along with you? I don't know. I'm curious. Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts. And my second thought, I'll, I'll start with the first. And I think the first thought that I have goes back to a little bit of remembering that their motive is almost always going to be fun. So whether that is like, what's the fun I'm going to have with the money that I earn? Or how can I make my work more fun? And so a lot of times those conversations can happen with them, right? And letting them be the ones who govern, how is this going to be more fun for me? And if you are able to raise your income by X, will it be more fun? Because then you can go buy some Nerf guns or you can save up for your new bike or whatever. And that, that's something that the landscaper boys bought. They went and got $60 worth of Nerf guns and they were proud of it. <laughs> Yeah, for Graham, it's right now it's an Oculus. He wants to get a VR oh. headset. Yeah, he's like all <laughs> over that right now. I mean, when he started the editing, it was about getting a better laptop, but now that's doesn't seem to be as important. 
But VR, yeah, he's all over that. <laughs> I bet. The second point, Jerry, is I think this one's actually been a little bit difficult for me to grapple with over the last couple of years. But something that I've learned more and more is that young people, for the first time in their lives, are learning what it means to be accountable and that this type of effort results in this and this type of efficiency results in this. And they're learning this for the very first time. And something that we practice a lot at the Acton School, as well as in the Startup Academy, is how do we untether our own, our own emotions and our own pride enough to let the young people struggle and even fail? Because that's how they truly will be able to learn and identify if it is something they're passionate about, if it's worth it to them. And so sometimes, and this is seriously to me one of the hardest things to do, is if they're walking on a path that is leading to failure or lack of efficiency, yes, to guide them and yes, to help point them in the right direction. But in a lot of ways, it's to allow them to crash sometimes mm. or just to allow them to get to a point where they decide like, oh, it's not worth it. And then now that they've experienced that it's not worth working for $7 an hour, now we can debrief with them and identify like, okay, why wasn't that worth it? And what would make it more worth it to you? But until they experience that and feel that, I think a lot of times it just feels like the adult in the room is telling them what to do, which teens so frequently push back against and, and run away from. Yeah. And so again, that is so difficult in practice. It can feel like you're pulling your hair out because you're like, there's a better way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've had a few of those for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's difficult to remember that in their experience, they're still unaware of a better way, mm. right? Like they just discovering all of this for the very first time and having the wiggle room and the freedom to crash and burn sometimes is actually the most beneficial thing for them. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. That's some sage advice right there. <laughs> so tell me right now, so how people get involved, sign up for Startup Academy? Yeah, absolutely. So the Startup Academy, you can find us at the startupacademyprogram.org or on Facebook at Creator Club, the Startup Academy. On both locations, you'll find information on how homeschool co-ops or parents with their kids can get involved and how we as a Startup Academy support that process. So we have a digital guidebook that we send out to the families or to the parents. And young people, sometimes if they're 16, 17, or 18, they're fully interested and capable of walking through that on their own without their parents. But we have that guidebook available to them along with online resources that guide them through the process accompanied with bi-weekly challenges that we're dishing out. And then every few months, we come out with a Shark Tank competition. Nice. So our teens are able to compete one against another, pitching their ideas and really progressing and launching into some growth. And so again, that's the startupacademyprogram.org or on Facebook at the Creator Club, the Startup Academy. And we'd love to hear from you. Or if you have any questions, that'd be a good place to go. Awesome. So this is something that kids could do, whether they're in like a regular school or homeschooling or just something on top of the usual grind? Absolutely. Yeah. There's no strict time schedule. And so whether you're homeschooled or at a public school and you just want to be involved in creation yeah. and entrepreneurship, uh, yeah, this is the place for you. Awesome. Does sound really exciting. I'm going to have to talk to my son Graham about it too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'd love to have him. <laughs> Travis, I mean, you've, you've had so much passion and knowledge and experience in this space. What else, is there anything else you'd like to say to like, as parents out there who 
right now are maybe trying to find a better way for their kids in the current climate they're in? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing that I would say that I think is really important is parents are seeking, they're seeking something better for their kids and not quite knowing where to look for it. I think a lot of times when individuals think an alternative education method, whether that is homeschool or whether that is something like an Acton model school or something that your son sounds like he's at, was that the Genesis school? Galileo. Galileo, Galileo, sorry. There are these different options. And I think that frequently parents think to themselves, if it's not a traditional structure, then that means there is no structure and they're terrified of no structure, right? It's like, well, that sounds like anarchy and chaos. But the truth is that these alternative schools like an Acton model or homeschooling, there is a structure. It's just a different structure that we're not used to. And just a reminder that that school model, the public school model, that structure was literally designed to create manufacturers and industrial era workers, right? And to create individuals who did what they were told. And so a lot of times I think there's the fear that, okay, well, if it's not that like intense structure, then it means we're going to no structure. But again, there are structures that work. Uh, There are structures that are beneficial that allow for a more student governed learning process. And I think that as we discover those student led processes, There's one main thing that we need to keep in mind, and that's that if our priority is to help young people become rather than just memorize facts out of a textbook, if our number one goal is to help young people become, that means we have to allow them to fail. We have to allow them to have enough freedom to make choices for good or worse, and of course, to guide them and of course, to point them in the right direction. But to allow them the space to experience what it means to make their own choices and receive the natural consequences of those choices. And that is where education that helps them become stands apart from education that just helps them memorize facts. And so I would just encourage parents to keep that in mind, to consider how do people become, whether they're young or old, and that's through experience and through guidance and being able or being willing to take the risk and let their kids have that type of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So good, Travis. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. And hopefully uh, some parents out there, maybe involved in homeschool or just on their own, will will take a look into it. I'm actually genuinely interested too in uh, exploring a bit more with you with, with my kids. So again, thanks for being on the show today. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Jerry. I really appreciate you having me.